Welcome to Conversations with Dr. K on the believer's response to life's toughest issues. Dr. K. Hello, Pastor Goldman. How are you? Good to see you. Thank I'm you good. so much. Thank you so much for for creating this time out of your busy schedule. I know it's been a busy time in the in the last especially two weeks, considering yeah. the, the the matter <laughs> concerning our nation. And thank you for making this possible. Uh, you know, I now as we're talking, I just remember the conversation we had. We had a had to had conversation on Saturday. And interesting enough, we've been trying to get each other. We missed, we missed a couple of times. Eventually, you got me. At the time, I was at the protest ground in Chicago. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. we, spoke, we spoke very briefly about some of the things we're going to be talking about in terms of, you know, accept, accepting responsibility where the nation is concerned. Uh, yeah. I've, known, I've known Pastor Godman for 24 years. I still remember 1996 to be precise. That was when we've known each other. And now, 24 years after the, the, the narratives have changed, it has come to a place now that, you know, maybe 24 years ago, one feels like, okay, you know, the leaders are there, we're following, and we're still following. But at the same time now, God has put one in the position of influence and to shy away from it in this season would be a crime, uh, especially considering the fact that, uh, that I believe that where ministry is concerned, there are certain mindset, mindsets that needs to change. You know, uh, we need to move from the place of just pastoring the people we see in church on a Sunday morning to literally pastoring our community especially with this interesting government that we are having to deal with right now. And I want to be frank as much as possible. I have nothing against anyone personal, but this is our nation. Even those of us that have been out of the country for over 20 years, we're still Nigerians. You go to places and you say, where are you from? You say, oh, I'm an American. I say, ah, but originally, where are you from? And you're like, okay, originally I'm from Nigeria. So there's no running around. Even the kids that we gave back to in America that have been into Nigeria a couple of times, they claim Nigerian-American. So the Nigerian factor has come to stay. And one of the reasons why we need to have this conversation is uh, we need to understand the role of the church and the leadership of the church in this season. And also, part of what I want to talk about is I want to pick your brains concerning what you believe Nigerians in diaspora can do in this season. Because, I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is that Nigerians in diaspora cannot just fold their arms and say, okay, or just put stuff on the social media. It has to be more than that. This is a season yeah. that we have to collaborate within the country, outside the country, put all our resources together and see to it that whatsoever is causing our systems not to work is corrected. There, there is a phrase I got used to, to several years ago uh, when you say, oh, why did you have travel out of the country? You say, oh, I needed to go to a place where things work. Yeah. And that phrase, personally, it hurts me. 
I've never been excited whenever anybody says that about the nation, about Nigeria. I say, oh, oh, I have to, I have to give my children an opportunity and take them somewhere where the educational system works. I remember when we were in school in the early nineties, and you know, almost every every six six months, this school was getting shut down. I mean, the people that had the means pull their kids out of the schools in Nigeria and move them to America. But not everybody could do that. It's only people that could afford that, of course. People that could not take their kids to, to America send their kids to Ghana. I mean, it's amazing when you go to places like Ghana, Republic of Benin. You, how many Nigerian students you see there and you are wondering, really? I mean, growing yeah. up, I mean, I can't remember the, when I was entering university, somebody say, I'm going to go to school in Ghana. Why? Why, why would you want to go to school in Ghana? But now Ghana yeah. is like, if I can't make Canada, if I can't do US, if I can't do UK, at least I have Ghana there. Now people have even extended it to Republic of Benin. Yeah. Is that yeah. bad? So, yeah. Pastor Goma, the first question I want to ask you is this. How were you last week? About, I mean, it's like one and a half weeks now, Tuesday last week. What was going on in your mind? You know, actually, one of the first things I did when I had the news was I picked the food and called him. I said, did it happen? Is it true? I'm so sure the way I talked on the phone that day, he has never seen me in that kind of... I was like, did it happen? I was screaming. I was yelling. I was running around. He said, yes, it's happened. In fact, he told me, he said, I just got off the phone with Reverend Sam and Pastor DK, and they're asking the, the same question. Did it happen? I mean, my emotions was all over the place. I will cry. I will shout. I will. I will pray dangerous prayer. I, I mean, the kind of dangerous prayer I've never prayed in my life. I prayed that day. I broke the record of dangerous prayer. If there's anything like rating of dangerous prayer, I was hungry. I mean, it took yeah. the following day for my hunger to come down because I was just hungry. Because I'm like, these are children of somebody. I mean, because all yeah. of us have seen it on social media. We've seen it on channels, TV, thousands of people. We have celebrated the generation that was brave enough to do what my generation could not do. Because when we were in school, the moment we demonstrate a little bit and they release their gas, everybody will find their level. Then our parents will send cars to come and pick us. <laughs> Wow. And that's the end of that's the end of the demonstration. Mm -hmm. That was the height of our Luther those days. I mean, but to see a generation that stick that stuck their neck and say, you know what, we want a change, we celebrated them. And to now see yeah. them going through such I mean treatment, it was too heavy on several of us. And but let me find out how 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 were you that last Tuesday? Well, last uh, the last Tuesday was, um, I mean, last week Tuesday was 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 all kinds of emotions, if I can put it that way. You know, when you you find it difficult to express how, uh, I mean, from unreal to real, and then feeling unreal again. Yeah, it's almost like you doubting what you witnessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I could almost say that I practically witnessed it because I, I, I mean, people were calling me at around 7 p.m. that day. People were calling me. I think even Pastor Jerry sent me a message uh, mm -hmm. from, from the East and saying, mm -hmm. 
what's going on where people are tagging me from Lagos because <laughs> people are playing with the remembering pastors and they tag. So they were just tagging pastors all over the place. So they tag Jerry and then and then the message, ah, what's going on? What's going on? You know, I think it was even the one that alerted me to say there's one did switch, did a switch, go and check that uh, and then I opened my phone and I saw that my what's I mean my uh, what do you call it? Twitter was busting. People were tagging me, tagging me and saying, this is happening. So I quickly went and checked uh, DJ Switch uh, on Instagram and I saw the thread. Then I realized that even on that live feed, people were tagging me there too. <laughs> so I saw the thread and it was about that time where they were really shooting and they were running Elder Skelter. The whole place was in total darkness and we're hearing cries and wailing of people, you know, and some of them singing national anthem and crying with the national anthem. It was it was heartrending. You can imagine people say, "Arise, Afraid for their lives. Yeah, and they were afraid for their lives. They were singing and crying. And then it got to power. I started following, you know, forwarding it to people and all that. Then um, when the, the the guy that was shot, you know, I think in the leg, and they were trying to get the bullet out. I watched that live. In DJ mm. Switch, they were using cigarette lighter to sterilize a knife mm. to just be able to get that bullet out because the guy was in pain. And they, they were putting something in his mouth to say, just bite on this because the pain is going to be much. This is without anesthesia or anything. They just make sure they sterilize that. We were seeing everything live. They were carrying bullet pallets from the road and say, this is the bullets, you know, and all that. And then they were saying, look, there's a guy there on the floor there. We don't know whether he's alive or not. That one is dead, you know, all that. So for anybody to say, I, I cannot say that uh, I, I, I didn't see what I saw. That, that's one thing. So for somebody to say that nobody died there or nobody shot at anybody, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. And lies, I mean, lies cannot take us anywhere. That's not, we have to, we have come to a point where we need to be open to the reality of the time. There's a time for change. The change is being demanded and we need to do something to make sure that uh, we don't continue easy to do things the same way and expect a different result. They said it's like insanity. Uh, in this country, we like to cover the truth like they do in most other countries, too, especially with the generation that we're dealing with. They know the implication of people being shot at, like bullets with the military. The rules of engagement ROE uh, in the military forbids the military formation, you know, to shoot at unarmed protesters or civilians because there was, there was no declaration of war. So you can't just open fire. So it's, I mean, if we pull it to a point, it starts to be like, you know, crime against humanity. And that's what our government is running away from. That's what the military authorities are running away from. And, you know, so. Um, it's one is not shocked really that they're trying to cover everything up. You, you have too many witnesses, eyewitnesses, people who are there live, young Nigerians who are still alive and well, and who are saying this is what. I, when uh, um, I say, uh, the, the, the former CNN reporter interviewed me last week, uh, there's one lady called Cecilia or something like that. She had four or five of these young kids in her house hmm. before. I got on Instagram Live with Isa, as I say, the, the lady was the first. So even me, as I was watching, waiting to get on, <laughs> they took almost all the time. I didn't mind because these guys were there present. 
uh, Sisi Ologe was was hosting them in our house since Lekki Toge, they were still living. This was three, four days later. They were still in our house, traumatized, and they were telling their story about what I happened know. that night. Yeah. And some of them said, you know, we, we counted like 10, some of them were counted like 15 bodies, of, I mean, lifeless bodies, apart from people who then went uh, with gunshot wounds and all that to hospitals and all. Which one of them even died in the hospital? The one that the Lagos State government alluded to. Now, Lagos State said, oh, they know about two. You know, and all that, but it's now you know, it's not easy stuff. You, 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 um, you, you know, so, so, something interesting mm-hmm. happened as you were talking. I just my mind flashed back. Uh, by the way, Pastor Godman grew up in Ibadan. I grew up in Ibadan. It just dawned on me that's true. Pastor Godman's dad was a politician. Was your dad a politician? Mm-hmm. I just yes. remembered. Yes. I just yes. remembered. Now, yes. talking about, I mean, I, that means from a very young age, you saw politics. Definitely. Definitely. From 1978, <laughs> when I was still a toddler, I saw my dad. I knew about all that. At the point, he was vice chairman of MPN in Oil State. In I just, you know, as we were talking, my yeah. mind just flashed back. And I remember, Elijah yeah. Kilabi, I just remembered. Yeah. I yes, mean, because yes. that means for politics is not something that is strange to you. At all, at all. I grew up with, in the political house. I mean, Aladdin Shagari visited my house when I was growing up because my dad was one of the main chieftains in the Southwest. I remember. With the yeah. Ak- Akiloye, Akiloye, Akejide. I remember. Yeah. So, yeah, so th- those were his, his friends and colleagues in, in politics and all that. I grew up in the house of a politician. Dr. K, in 1982, the election of 1982, uh, that uh, Buhari came to hijack in 1983 mm-hmm. as in the military coup, I was of age then. I saw everything that went on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad was chieftain of the NPN. It was, it was, it was, you know, very bad democracy. Mm-hmm. We have made some improvement. I mean, I'll say it openly. They used to bring ballot boxes into our houses from print. <laughs> that was how the election. As a growing up child, I was seeing everything. There was nothing I didn't see. I grew up in a house where you had thugs, you know, in, in Kumbi, Volkswagen buses. They sleep and wake up there. I, I, I mean, that was, that was our house. That, that was how it is. I was in the house before where... In the middle of the night, they came to wake us up and they said, we're going to come in to burn down that house overnight. They moved us to my grandmother's house. Mm. They eventually did not burn down the house, but you can imagine how traumatizing it was That's for really me and my siblings. All of us in the middle of the night just bundled us. They said the UPN, uh, the opposition party, they're coming, I mean, they're coming to burn down my dad's house. You know, so that, I, I mean, I saw all this growing up and th- that was Nigeria. We grew up in and then went into a military era, you know, in the in the eighties that went on into the nineties, you know, from Buari to Babangida to uh, you know then Lecturer Sonia Bacha, all that into nineties when we then got into university and it was the same thing. <laughs> so there, there was a generation that fought for democracy to be restored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the former governor of Lagos State, who I mean, who everybody talks about now. Uh-huh. He calls himself Ashwa Jutagaban. They were pro-democracy. I know. Nadeko. In the days of Nadeko. 
uh-huh. and all that. So they got democracy back. Let's governor over your state, Lamadeshino. Yes. They yes. So they, they all brought democracy back to Nigeria. It's just that um, the version of democracy they brought to us was such that they were just they, they just they, they just got into power and they threw caution to the wind. It was a democracy that was very open to blatant corruption, impunity at the highest level, you know. Uh, democracy that can never lead to development. Because after 21 years of democracy, since 1999, if we cannot see real development in this country, if our, like you said earlier, our undergrads still have to go for better education abroad, even in countries that we used to help, then there's no dividend in that democracy. If there's still no, you know, uh, good health care, affordable health care, then there's no there's no dividend to that democracy of 21 years. Yeah. If corruption is still at the at the very high level, then there's no dividend to that democracy. You know, I, I, I mean, I will allude to the fact that we had made some baby steps. It's just that the you know when you want to see the future of a thing, you have to look at its capacity to deliver. The democracy we have lacks capacity to deliver. For anybody to serve his or her people, they have to be able to serve, being guided by certain boundaries. We call them values. When those values are not there, like respect for the rule of law, equity, you know, justice, transparency in leadership and accountability in leadership, when all those things are not there, democracy lacks the power to deliver on its mandate. So some things don't, don't just work in any, put it in, under any, under any circumstance. They work only under certain circumstance. So when some things are not in place, uh, monarchy may even be better than democracy. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a king that has a fear of God in his heart. <laughs> because see, that's okay. I, I visit Dubai often. What they have there is still monarchy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The the citizens are faring better. The place has seen unusual development because you have a visionary leader. I read the book, um, you know, uh, um, I've forgotten the the book that the the prince wrote uh, on vision, you know. And, you know, when the Emirates talk, even in in the, 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 the ones in Qatar, they will say, according to the vision of our fathers. That's what they say. According to the vision of our fathers, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. So it depends on the, 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 the environment that has been created. That's what makes democracy work. That's what makes democracy. And everywhere in the world where democracy seems to be delivering, it's under certain boundaries. Those are the things that I actually believe that this agitation must lead to. This is my description. For the young people in Nigeria, from what I have seen from the late 70s, since I knew my father as a politician, 1978 that he contested, 1982 that he contested, you know, all that. And, you know, when he lost the election those days, eh, the kind of hunger that we used to deal with in the family, because he has used all the money <laughs> to contest election. <laughs> so until they're able to get government contract or get a position in government, or maybe sometimes make him a commissioner or he sits on the board of the federal parastata, you know, and all that, they just use all those things there's, there's no, you, you can't even say 
you are looking for competence. Yeah. It's political association. If you're a political associate, you get, you know, uh, you can you can be fed up, you can be a DG or something, you can be this and that. And it's just to make money and then let's continue so that we have money to do politics in, next. In, including including people, including people that have no clue. I remember then exactly. in your state, you know, growing up in your state, I remember that Bolagi. There was this man who was loyal to them, but the guy knew nothing. Adelakun. They made him the commissioner for local government. This yes. guy was a renowned talk, established talk. Yes. Yes. people. Yeah. He later, crossed, he later crossed over to MPN when they removed him from yeah. commissioner. So he moved from UPN yeah. to MPN because it was originally... Yeah. I remember those days, both parties have like a... They have talks. It's like a department. It's on record. It's on record. If you, if you check very well on YouTube, you will see uh, that Alaji uh, Adelaku making statements like when um, who was a guy that took over from Lama National, the PDP guy. Um, Akala. Yeah, I think Akala. Where he used to say that uh, she be, the governor has a security vote of X amount of money. So if I take 50% of it, is it no, oh, my not? No, you are even mixing up. There's Adelaku and there's Adedubu. <laughs> they are true. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Is that a Dubu guy that I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. 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 Ade Dubu yes. is a is yeah. But, 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 so but that one, they were operating then. Continue. Yes, I somebody just reminded us I was Ladoja, uh, you know, Chief Ladoja. When he was governor, this guy was in the UK. He granted an interview for Ben TV in I London. Watched I watched it. Yes. And the way he was talking about the treasury of the state and how he must have his portion there, blatantly. When I watched that thing about 10 years ago, I told the people around me, I said, there's no way that the diplomatic community can take us seriously at all. If this man can come on the media and say this about the resources of the state, then we're just joking as a people. That is what, what this generation is saying it cannot be business as usual. That's right. This generation is not, is not asking for the neck of anybody. What they are asking for is the playing field. Yeah, the playing field. Some people need to get out of the playing field. The rules that govern that playing field, if that's all we're able to achieve with this new generation, that will be fantastic. This is my analogy. When you, when you look at the, the football, for instance, soccer, eh? You don't have to be a player to really influence the rules of soccer. You just need to be a stakeholder. That's right. The people who pay to enter into the stadium to watch can demand. If you want us to continue to pay to enter into the stadium, we want you to uh, use VAR, for instance. Yeah. So that we can and, and project on the screen so that we can all see it. We want you to do this. We want you to change maybe offside or the number of cards that a player can get before the player will be taken out. Those are the kind of things that I believe. Because see, the young people who are in politics now and the ones who want to join, if we don't change the rule of the game and take impunity, you know, regard for disregard of the rule of law and all those things out, lack of accountability, we are empowering them to steal more. The people who abuse 
the thieves of the past are now the, the ones who are championing corruption today. Yeah. When you look at someone like the former governor of Edo State, for instance, I say with all measure of sense of respect for his person, but in my own opinion, he has not done well. This was somebody who used to be NLC. I remember. Yeah. Used to wear berets all over the place. Those yes. yes. And led protests and all that. And then he had a stint at power, you know, just became a, a state governor. And then everything changed until he became the chairperson, chairman of the ruling party. And nothing changed. And this was somebody who used to champion all those things and marshal his point. I mean, watching him during the Edo uh, campaign, I just, uh, this man, <laughs> you know, he just captured him, was running around like LST looking for what is not missing and, you know, uh, recounting what he said before and say, I didn't mean it and all that. I mean, there's no integrity in that. Yeah, you can't call somebody a TV and say, this one that I said was a sin, it's not a sin. You know, just to suit your political, you know, those have been, that's the kind of charade that we're seeing. It looks like Nollywood, the way they, 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 you know, they are doing everything. So if we can draw out an agenda to say the people that will vie for office, the people that will do this, it must be this kind of people. This is, I mean, this is what we want. We want a president that will address us on maybe on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, give state, state of uh, you know, state of the nation account, you know, do, do those are the things. So everything is transparent. That's the only way things can move on here. We are too tribalistic in our mind to so that trust has been eroded. But the, the thing that restates trust is accountability. Yeah, accountability. If two, two, a man and his wife are having trust issues in their marriage, maybe somebody has messed up. What you tell the person when we sit with them in counseling is that repent and then put structures in place mm-hmm. for trust to be restored. Restored. And one of the right. structured structures is unsolicited accountability. So I want to leave my house. I tell my wife, I'm going to Dr. K's house and I'll be back by 5 p.m. And if you doubt it, call Dr. K or Pastor May. Simple. <laughs> that is that's and over three, four months, six months, the way I said it is the way you met it, then you start to trust me again. It's as simple as that. Yeah. That, those are the kind of things that we need to bring back into the way politics is done in Nigeria. And I believe that the younger generation, as they start to discuss and marshal their point, many things will come out that we will all then start to accept as a people, as the values with which Politics, governance, and political leadership, governmental leadership will be guided. That's the only way. When you when you when you change the the rule of the game, the game will start to make sense. There are people in diaspora, like you were saying, who the only reason why they will never come to Nigeria, even to take a government appointment, is because they have uncles and aunties who have come took a political appointment and they were messed up in the process because the place is like a, like a junkyard, like a, you know, a place it's like saying you want to play with pigs without getting dirty. Yeah. That's, that's how it is, but we can clean up the piggery as uh, even if we choose to call it that we can clean it up 
by deciding what rules, what will be the rule of the game. And then what happened to somebody when the person flouts the rule? So okay. if you are going to resign, you will resign immediately. That like happens right. in the So th- those are the things that I, I really, really want the, the, as the discussions we go on. I know tomorrow at 3 p.m. West African time, uh, there will be like a conclave where the, the discussions will go on a day. Uh, you know, from the information that I have, I think I posted it in one of my Instagram handle, uh, uh, Mr. Tedo Peter's side, Aisha Yusufu, all of them will be keynote speakers. I mean, it will be on in Arise TV, uh, all those other TV stations on, on the we move Niger.com. That is the, that's the platform that I hope current organizers I, of I, I hope I hope I hope they won't they won't find Arise TV from show. <laughs> I hope they won't find them for showing it because so they shouldn't stop them from hearing discussions because that young people are having. Yeah. What is is NBC? Is it is because I was told that Arise TV, Channel TV, and AIT were all fined. Is it five million naira for showing the Insta? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, they're, they're going to turn it around. I'm not. Sure. It's not going to stand definitely because people are already you know lobbying to to make sure that it doesn't stand. They, 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 the government is not. Their body language is 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 you know, it's a very interesting one, and. Um, it's it's becoming more interesting on a daily basis, really, the way they have chosen to ameliorate the situation in their own way. There are better ways to, you know, resolve some of these things, but they just chose, you know, chose to go about it their own way. Uh, also, when you talk about the, the people in diaspora and what they should do, my advice for people in diaspora, especially the ones that are that are Christians, is that you should look at the life of the Josephs, you know, of the Bible. I mean, the, the Joseph, the son of Jacob. Um, um, uh, they should look at people like Nehemiah. Yeah. They should look at people like Daniel. They are our Nehemiahs. They are our Josephs. It's for such a time like this that some people are abroad right now. People who have very strong IT background that are doing well. People who have who have access to Washington, who can lobby, you know, people who work with, you know, international political organizations, people who work with multinational non-governmental organizations, uh, people who have influence like yourself, you know, pastoring uh, uh, big churches and all that, that, that and having influence in the media. We, we, uh, I think for me, the first thing is that every Nigerian in diaspora must model that modeling is number one thing. Must model who a Nigerian should be. Because part of our problem in diplomacy is that uh, we're getting the, the, you know, the negative hand of the bargain because of b- branding. Yeah. When you travel around the world and you are at airport and different places, uh, some people who don't even know much about Nigeria they just need to go and the kind of things they will be seeing, you know, <laughs> will, will give, will give, you know, will make them feel a bit jittery. If our Nigerians in diaspora can choose to say, look, we want a new Nigeria, or we're going to model who a new Nigerian should be like in diaspora, they will have been doing a lot of image laundry for our nation. 
when a Nigerian on the street of New York, of Chicago, you know, downtown Chicago, you see a Nigerian, uh, you know, in London, they, they doing something that is highly commendable. It doesn't mean that you have to, uh, you know, invent something or whatever. Just being kind, being nice, being doing the right things, you know, it's, it's, it's a great one if we can achieve that with majority of Nigerians. Just saying that, look, we want a new Nigeria and we want to be the new Nigeria and we're going to represent Nigeria well. That's one. Two is networks, forming networks and being That's a right. part of network. Yeah. A lot of Nigerians, uh, we like to keep to ourselves and just enjoy life. And if we're okay, we're already okay. And it's We are okay. We feel that it's okay, and it, it can't continue like that. So uh, here in Lagos, there are many people who live in estates who never participate in just simple estate meeting to organize how we live in the estate. They never participate. Yeah, they just want to be okay. We can go to work, you know, all that. Nigerians must be. I mean, we've seen a lot of show of solidarity. I mean, I saw you at the protest ground. I saw. You know, uh, a lot of your church members there and what that's highly commendable. And we've seen a few of that in a few other places too. In Dallas, I mean, I was speaking to Pastor Aguleroku uh, from London a few days ago. Uh, I think on Saturday, their own protest and prayer work was on Sunday afternoon and it was massive. And he also led that, you know, and was there with a lot of people. That's fantastic. So, such networks have to then form into uh, having people who wants to lobby for certain things, people who want to uh, bring certain body of knowledge down back here, people who want to, you know, uh, uh, form themselves into a group that will say, look, we want to raise this number of IT professionals or IT entrepreneurs. We want to help people in Nigeria, not to just leave Nigeria, but to gain knowledge. Whether organize some trainings online, connect them with opportunities that are different uh, um, the, the problem that we have is multifaceted. A big part of it is bad political leadership. Another part is that that part, bad political leadership is stealing opportunities for empowerment from Nigerians who are in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So I believe that people in diaspora can form networks that will look into different things and including funding for people who have things that will move Nigeria forward who are in Nigeria, especially in, within the political process. So networks that will be focused on different things, the networks that will be focused on supporting people who are going to politics, uh, networks that will be focused on giving uh, or, or connecting them with information that they need, you know, networks that will be focused on uh, affecting school-age children in high schools or primary schools and doing something with their all kinds of network. And before we know it, we will see. I mean, the, Nehemiah had, okay, Nehemiah had a connection with the king. Nehemiah was like a Nigerian who could lobby freely in Washington, D.C. and went to the, to, to the White House and said, we need this, we need that, we need that. I want to go back to my people and I want to do X, Y, Z. And they had favor with the king. He was very spiritual about it. 
He leveraged the supernatural, the favor of God, and all that, but he was not using it for himself. That's the mm. point I'm trying to make. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he didn't yeah. focus on leveraging this favor that he had, that God gave him with the king, only for himself. He completely wanted to use that favor to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that have, been, that have crumbled and to fix the gate of the city, you know, and all that. That was his focus. And you know the mm. truth, just like in the days of Nehemiah, there are Nigerians, there are people here now who everything you do in diaspora, they still believe that uh, they're just making money. If you want, why don't you come here? Why don't you come and live here? And see Dr. K now, he's in Chicago. He's now talking about Nigeria. I would have a lot of Ah, can you enter me? You know, <laughs> they say, ah, do you <laughs> But they, 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 they don't know, <laughs> they don't know that the ultimate sign of patriotism is not about your location, it's about your heart. You don't have to live in Nigeria to be a patriotic Nigerian. Yeah. And it's scriptural because God is the one that does posting. It's all human beings. Yeah. God is the one that does posting. If you say, ah, because I, I want to be a patriotic Nigerian, I will never live outside of Nigeria. You live, you walk out of the will of God for your life. You're not the one that posts yourself. <laughs> it's, it's God that does posting. So the understanding, what God told me is, look, the ultimate test of loyalty is not your location, it's your heart. Because yeah. where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Where is your, if your heart is in fixing Nigeria, then let emotional, mental, spiritual resources follow it. You don't have to be in Nigeria to get that done. If God has posted you somewhere else, and there's, there's something that God wants to achieve by it, by posting each Nigerian diaspora, where he has posted them. And that's why also right now, I'm not discouraging anyone that wants to, I, I mean, I tweeted two or three days ago saying that uh, if you want to, if you want to, you know, bail, you want to leave Nigeria, all I'm asking <laughs> is pray. Ask the people that are already in diaspora how things work. In the place I, where saw, you I, I saw the post. <laughs> you know, to be sure that God is leading you because I agree with you the ultimate test of loyalty is not only by living in Nigeria. So, use your network and all that. Or even diaspora. You know, on Saturday, I mean, I was involved in praying and leading hundreds of Nigerians in Chicago. Probably, I mean, maybe even thousands in the protest. So, of course, it's, if we did it live on Instagram, somebody put a post there, one small boy, he abused me. He was using all the foul words. He said, he said, you stay there, you are protesting, he said, come back home. He said, bushy, forget it. We are suffering here. He said, you are protesting there. What kind of protest is there? If you really want to protest, come. <laughs> you could feel the frustration of the young man. He's like, yeah. no, don't tell us you are fighting for us. You are fighting for yourself. If you want to fight for your fault, Come back home. And the truth of the matter <laughs> is this. I'm a Nigerian true and true. I can't deny yeah. it. I love Nigeria. In fact, the reason why I'm here is because I want to be in the will of God. I mean, yes. thank God someone like you has known me even before I left Nigeria. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't come here because of breakthrough, more money. No, it was because God said, this is where I will have you function in this season of your life and if tomorrow he says pack yourself and go back to nigeria i mean i'm packing i'm moving you know but you know there's so much i mean 
I mean, so far, you no, know, what I'm so happy. Don't even understand. That's okay. What people don't even understand is that you live in the US. You are planting churches in Nigeria. You are blessed. You are raising young people in Nigeria. Uh, the new, that, which is a, like a young adult church, you you started this out in Nigeria. Now it's, it's even in Chicago. You know, and all that. There are people who are living in Nigeria who are not making any impact. It's not about where you live. It's about your sense of vision. <laughs> there are people who are in Nigeria who are, who are not making anything, any kind of impact close to what the impact you make from there. And you visit regularly, bless people. You, when you even come to Nigeria, you travel within Nigeria border and those of us within Nigeria. Because when I call you sometimes, say, I'm in this place today. I mean, that, some of those places have not been there in years. Some of those university campuses. You understand what I'm saying? So when people just talk, well, they, they say they are old, but we have learned not to always <laughs> listen but, but to the, everything. The that truth is, I, I, can, I can't react because they are frustrated. It's because they are frustrated. Yeah. An average Nigeria is very frustrated and hungry. And, you know, what's happened in terms of the looting, which we are not in support of it, is just a reflection of the frustration of a, sit, of a, of a common citizen of Nigeria. People are frustrated. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough, do you know, just about, uh, was it one and a half years ago I was in Nigeria, I was talking to one of my church members who, one of our church members who lives in Lekki, Axis, and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, myself and my friends, we have been having discussion though, that we have to be, you know, the guy is up there in, I mean, he's doing well as a CEO of a multinational company. He said, he said, me and my friends, we've been talking though, we have to be very careful. We have to treat our drivers very well because now you give your driver 25,000 a month and you are driving Range Rover and he's watching you. He's the one that carries the briefcase. He knows what is inside the briefcase. And, you know, he will bring his car into your house, nice compound, drop you, go and take a public transport to, to wherever he's living. He said, and he has friends there. He said, if anything happens, this guy will be the one to organize people that will come to my house. They know where the stuff are. Are you getting... He said, that's why we have to... You know, when he was saying that, I mean, I've never seen it like that. This was about one and a half years ago. It was like, it was literally prophesied. He said, if anything goes wrong, all these people that we call common people, the way they will come after us, he said, we will not find it funny mm -hmm. because they are frustrated. And he now told me, he said, what I do is that beyond their salary, I call them to myself, Find out, oh, you have a child in secondary school. Don't worry, I will pay the tuition. You will have a child in university, I will pay the tuition. He said, just, he said, apart from the fact that I'm doing it as a Christian, he said, he said, he said, I have a responsibility. Because these people, the amount of money that they will get paid. He said, I'm not the one paying him, the company pays him, but I know the amount they are giving him. He can't undo anything. And look at what he sees. He comes to my house, he sees all these things. And he leaves and he goes back to his own neighborhood. If anything goes wrong and there's, I mean, mob, mob action, he will be the one to lead people to my house if I'm not nice to him. And I believe that's part yeah. of what happened last week. People that were frustrated yes. and been angry. It was an opportunity to release their, okay, ah, that person has money. That's, they were just looting, which is sad. But it's also a reflection of what has become of our society. I mean, 
Pastor God, Godman, the way this, in fact, based on what you have said in the first 45 minutes, I believe we can spend, in fact, we have to do part B of this. I'm serious. Because, you know, what gives you an advantage is your understanding of the political climate of Nigeria right from a young age. You don't need it to read, yeah. you, know, you don't need to read it in the newspaper. It's not a newspaper thing. This is, yes. I saw it. I mean, I, I mean, I, my parents were not politicians, but I was, I was informed enough to know what was going on with the UPN, FPN, in 76, when Obasanjo had the, I mean, Obasanjo came in with this, no, they killed Muritala. I think I was in primary school then, when Muritala was, I, that day was a dark day. I still remember day. Then, you know, how eventually Obasanjo became the president and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the head of state, then Obasanjo had led over to, to uh, Shagari. And, you know, yeah. and so on and so forth. Because as you were talking, memories were just flooding me. Memories. Yeah. You know, I remember those days, UPN, NPN clashes, if how they will kill people like goats. Literally. Yeah. I, I remember one interview I will never forget. Uh, there's this guy in NTA Badon then, very, um, something along, inshallah, the guy, very smooth mouth. He was interviewed, yeah. and he said, uh, he said in Yoruba, he said, ah, which was one of the UPN chief Do you know how Adelakwe responded? I watched it live on BCOS, or is it NTA or BCOS? I can't even remember. He said, Musa, I want Molosa. Musa, <laughs> literally saying <laughs> I didn't stab him when I voice that stab him. That if I was I didn't do myself, it just works. <laughs> and they were saying that or that that is I'm insulted. You said that it was the one. No, it was not me. If it was me, he would have died. This one that is still able to grant you interview that I was the one that caught it. It was not because it was because it was not me, it was the boys that I sent. And he said it, and there was no arrest, and lives carried on as usual. And that was that was 80, 83. Yes, that should be 82, 83. And now this is 2020. 28 years after. Actually, that's Pastor Godman. That's one of the reasons that made me cry. I cried. I wept. Because I'm like, we fought this battle, though. We were cowards in our generation. <laughs> Thinking about it. When we are, ha! <laughs> tear gas. <laughs> Not even bullet. Just tear gas. Just release tear gas. Yeah. That's, it all. that's yeah. the end. We find our level with tear gas. I mean, I wouldn't lie. Our generation, we were cowards. All it takes to stop us was a tear gas. Just release tear gas and we disperse. And missing the, our parents are coming with their driver. They are sending drivers. Go and pick a and, that, and that's the end. That's the end of the demonstration or whatever. But, you know, but to now see a set of people that are daring. In fact, we used to joke during our time that our generation, nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die for anybody. <laughs> that if you die, 
who we enjoy the benefits that is the living is the living, is the living that enjoys the goodness. So please, once they release their gas, find your level. But I mean, to the credit of this generation, their their courage is commendable. I give it to them, and that's why in my own little corner, any support I can offer as a as a spiritual leader. Any and and somebody who is well respected in the community. I mean, of course, in the Nigerian community here in Chicago. Once you mention my mm-hmm. name, most I mean, if you don't know me, you are not a Christian. If you're a Christian, no matter the church you are in, they will know me. And I mean, that is a level of influence. And I made up my mind. I made a commitment last week that Lord, anything you have given me that can be of help to this movement. Please help me to be able to offer it. I don't want to be one that will sit at home. I will be hmm, okay. I've been around for five about five decades, and at this stage of my life, if I cannot contribute to the change of a nation that produced me, then shame on me, shame on me. And also from the uh, the church point of view, you know, yesterday when uh, Pastor Balaji Balaji was on the screen, part of what we discussed was what can the church do? And I want to say I will commend you for that, for your foresight, uh, because Elevation Church has been one of the leaders of such movements in terms of engaging people, you know, I mean, societal-wise, making sure the church is involved in what is going on in the environment. Because a lot of times you see a church that is detached from the environment. This is the church. This is the environment. Everybody comes in in their Mercedes Benz and their nice cars. And, you know, I said something yesterday. I said, God forbid that we raise mega churches in ghetto nations. Mm. Great mega churches in ghetto nations. God forbid. Because that is not a testimony. Oh, my church is excellent. My church is beautiful. My church is this, is that. But the environment people have to pass through to come into your church is messed up. God forbid. Yeah. And and that's not the gospel that Jesus gave to us. Can you say something along those lines? Yeah, uh, you're very right, Dr. Okay, in the sense that that's not the real gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation stops at people getting saved and going to heaven. But the gospel of the kingdom uh, talks about raising disciples who will transform the environment and make more disciples and bring development to the environment. And it's, it's simply about thy kingdom come on earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if heaven is not upside down, if there's peace in heaven, then there should be peace on earth. If there's, uh, I mean, if everyone is excellent, then we should live, we should, we should start to practice heaven by living excellently on earth. You know, Psalm 8 verse 1, Oh Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So uh, how do we make his name excellent on the earth? That's that's part of the responsibility of the church. That's why I agree with you totally, that we cannot raise mega churches in ghetto nation, in a ghetto nation. Um, it's, um, it just doesn't work. Because if we say that Christ is the light, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And light speaks of enlightenment, illumination, which is a prerequisite for development. When God was creating the heavens and the earth, the first thing he did was to say, let there be light. Yeah, light is a prerequisite 
for development. If anywhere our real light is shining, that what should follow suit after is real tangible development of the human, you know, the, 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 the human being and its environment. So uh, part of the reason why Nigeria today they, they keep saying around the world and different, you know, fora or uh, they, they call Nigeria the poverty headquarters of the world. And many people don't understand why that statement, why they make that statement. The reason why that statement is made like that is, is not because there's no wealth in Nigeria or there are no rich people in Nigeria. But when you just look at people who live in abject poverty, the highest number, our president, in his, even when he responded to the NSAS and made a statement, he said his government has a plan over the next 10 years to raise 100 million Nigerians out of acute poverty. Now, that's a tacit uh, um, agreement to the fact that there are 100 million, at least 100 million Nigerians in abject poverty. That's what our president said just last week when he read his statement. He didn't say it like that, but if you say you want to raise 100 million Nigerians out of poverty, it means you know there must, for you to want to raise them, that means they are in. So there are 100 million Nigerians that are in abject poverty. That's what it means. And I don't know the statistics, but the people who say that, for me, as a as a as a believer, a spiritual believer, is negative confession. I don't want to keep saying it. <laughs> I believe that Nigeria is a blessed nation, and we are not a poverty, uh, you know, headquarters of the world. But faith does not deny the fact. That's the right. The fact is that, according to Nigerian Bureau of Statistics and what our president alluded to last week, that there has to be at least 100 million Nigerians that are living below the poverty line. Yeah. Our gospel as the church must find a way to address that those 100 million Nigerians because they are part of the people who want to preach to what they were preaching to. Uh, there are, just like in the days of David of old, there are Goliaths. One of the Goliaths of this generation is poverty. Poverty is, is one of the, the goliaths of this generation. Illiteracy is another. Bad governance is another one. <laughs> Pandemic diseases, another one. Yeah. And spiritual dryness is the last one. If we just limit that five. Those are the five global goliaths that we're dealing with. It's just that in Africa, the disease and the poverty one is more pronounced <laughs> yeah, it's more pronounced. That's why even people that give hate, they send it in one direction when it comes to disease and poverty. Almost everywhere in the world, bad leadership is, is an issue. And almost all the places, I mean, different places in the world also, uh, spiritual uh, emptiness is also an issue. I mean, in the West, it's prevalent. The major goal is spiritual emptiness. Uh, when you talk about illiteracy and all those things, those ones they are, they, in the West they are not doing badly with illiteracy, uh, you know. Uh, but here, issues of illiteracy, which brings ignorance, and uh, which and when the mind is not developed, the environment cannot develop. Yeah. So that's those are the places where the church needs to get into and be able to make allow the robber to meet the road in the way 
the gospel is being disseminated. The gospel is the light of the world. When light shines, development must follow it. It is the illumination of the heart of man, the spirit of man. When, when a man, I mean a human being, is divinely enlightened, nothing should remain the same around him. That's right. So we need to move from uh, uh, the gospel of salvation to the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of empowerment. Yeah. And allow the supernatural grace and the power and the favor of God uh, that God has given us to find practical expression. Practical expression. When I was uh, when I was an undergrad and pastor as an undergrad, one of the things that I was very um, strong about was that if you came into our fellowship and you gave your life to Christ, you have to stop failing your courses. <laughs> you have to stop having cardinal. <laughs> because one of the ways we want to know that Christ is now ruling and ruling in your heart is that you should leverage the supernatural power of God to be able to pass your exam. <laughs> so that your parents can be happy with us. <laughs> that this thing that we have introduced you to is not only working in taking you away from sin, it's also working in making you focus to be able to pass your exam, which was one of the main things we came to do here. And I remember then, at some point, we had to say, look, when we are choosing the people that will lead units, leading different ministries of the fellowship, if your, your, your CGP is less than 3.5, <laughs> because you are not, it means that you, you, you are not there yet. We know you may be speaking in term, terms of angel, but please pass your exam. And then, you know, so when, when we teach people how to leverage the supernatural to live certain level of excellent life in the demonstration of the wisdom of God to make things happen, it starts to find expression in how our society is configured. So that the people that are Christians that were raised from our churches are the ones doing the best work in the bank, doing the best work in the oil industry, doing the best work in real estate. When people buy houses from them, they don't find defects everywhere, yet they say they are Christians. When we do that very well, it has a way of finding, you know, its way into how the society itself is organized and how real tangible development can happen. So that we are not over-focused on going to heaven. When they hurt, we cannot make it to model heaven to people who don't know God. Yeah. So uh, that, wow. that's that's the, the, the shift that wow. I believe this is powerful. There's another aspect we have to cover also. I know, of course, we've gone beyond one. Thank God, Instagram has released us from one hour now. They don't cut us yeah. after one hour. Uh, there's something else we need to talk about. We talked about it briefly yesterday, but I also want us to talk about it today. You know, the, the orientation of ministry, when people like me got saved 30 years ago, is you get saved, you go to a church, then instead of you join the prayer band, you join the ushering, you join the choir, you join the protocol. Then there was not even protocol. Deliverance, deliverance team or, you know, one of drama team and a few other things. And, you know, so when, when the, the work of ministry was defined based on what you do on the Sunday morning or maybe midweek service or what you do behind the scene for the service. So everything was yeah. directed towards the service. But there is a new orientation now, which, sad enough, not everybody has gotten it. Not everybody has updated the application. But I believe for the Church of Jesus Christ to be effective uh, is something that we need to educate 
people on, starting from the pulpits, even before even talking about the laymen. And that ministry goes beyond uh, whether you're a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, evangelist, or serving in hospitality or whatever. Ministry involves training up people to be effective in the society. You know, talking about the, the seven mountains of influence, which some people are, even believe it has upgraded to 12 mountains now. Now, all the different spheres and corners of influence from entertainment, there are churches today that once their member gets into Nollywood, that member has to find another church because the truth of the matter is that you will not fit in again because based on the way everything is wired, ministries, how can you be mixing with the children? I mean, we need folk, folks in education. We need folks in e-commerce. We need folks in entertainment. We need folks. I mean, for example, Ellen Paul is in... I knew Ellen Paul when Ellen Paul was 18. I remember the day he walked into Kingswood. I will never forget that in Ogba. Nobody Thomas Alakos Street. Small girl, seven, 17, 18 years old, went for a competition. I said, Pastor, will you pray for me? I prayed for her. She went to the competition and she came first in Abuja. And she came back excitedly. And, you know, over the years, God has raised her. And to the glory of God, I've been able to maintain a relationship with her till now. I still spoke to her two days, two, three days ago. And the nature of relationship is if I hear anything in the media that does not please God and does not please me, I pick up the phone and call him. Ellen, is it true? Explain yourself. For example, there's one of our members that sings. It's not a typical gospel uh, singing, but it's like, you know, something... You know, very, I mean, that, that ministers to, I mean, it, and we need people like that. It's not everybody that's going to sing, go single, single. I know some churches like, oh, you must be a, a, a psalmist. He doesn't have to be a psalmist. He's a gift God gave him, and he can bless yeah. society without using vulgar words. We need people that will be able to play in the party without cursing. Yeah. And the other yeah. day, he did something, and I saw it online. So he said he was going to do something, and I saw it. And he's already a celebrity. So I picked up the phone and I called him. I said, ah, Alagba, I saw what you're about to post. To, you said you're going to post. Can you explain yourself? What are you trying to do? So he started stammering. So he couldn't defend it. I said, you can see now that what you want to do does not glorify God. So what do we do? I said, that day I will take it down. I said, thank you. You are even the one that suggested it. So please take it down. God bless you. We'll talk next week. And we dropped the phone. And, you know, we want to be able to release people. And someone like that does not have to be in the church choir. He's an ambassador yeah. of the church. In fact, yeah. it, might not be, it might not need to be in church every Sunday. Because there are certain yes. times that his own ministry will take him out. And, but it will yes. still be under your covering. And yes. these are some mindsets that we need to develop in the 21st century. We can't limit church to what we do from 9 to 11 a.m. or from 8 to 10 or whatever you have your service or multiple services. You must be able to see ministry as what happens from Monday to Saturday, beyond Sunday. In fact, Sunday is yeah. when people come in to be empowered, to be trained, to be discipled, so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry. This is an orientation awesome. that is so strong on my heart that if we yeah. are going to be impactful in our generation, we need to update oh, oh. the application of pastors concerning our ministry ought to be. Over to you. Yeah, you are very spot on it, okay. Um, when you look at um, the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, the making of a David. In the making of a David, you have two principal characters. 
Jesse and Samuel. Jesse being the father, Samuel being the prophet. When God will raise David, God spoke to Samuel. Prophetic. Samuel said, how will I do this thing? Saul is still there. If I'm going to take over from this generation, Saul will come after me. God said, no, just tell him, tell them that you're going to do sacrifice, you know, at Ramah and just go. So he went and when he got there, he was able to convince Jesse, bring your sons. Yeah. Somehow, I just want to anoint a particular one. They, David was the last, you know, and they got him from keeping the sheep and he came. David, in the house of Jesse, it was like a church member, like a son or daughter in the house. Not every one of them will, will serve directly in ministry as in mm-hmm. Samuel. Because mm-hmm. when, in the days of Samuel, because Samuel had to serve in ministry as a prophet, he was sleeping and waking up with Eli until That's God right. started to speak at head. But David's situation will be different. He was going into politics, into political office, into because kingship is political office. You know, because you have the king, the priest, the prophet, and the king. Yeah. You know, so the, the political office, to prepare somebody for political office, you have to let them see the Goliaths that are threatening the nation. That's right. Yeah, the different Goliaths. Yeah. So Jesse was just in the spirit because the anointing of God on David would have been wasted if Jesse would not send him on the right errand. They pulled him from following the sheep from just being an usher in the church, from just being a counselor in the church to say it's time for you to go and be the CEO of a bank or to go and be uh, the finance minister or the commissioner of the you know, industry and all that. He saw what was going on when he got there. The calling of God in his heart plus the anointing of God in his head started to collide and just, <laughs> there was a royal rumble to say, ah, I have anointing, I have passion. I have a sense of calling. I have what it takes. Why would, who is this uncircumcised Philistine mm. to defy the yeah, you know, God? And then he went for it. How do we keep creating opportunities? The valley of Ella opportunities mm. for believers to see what is really going on in the That's city right. center. That's yeah, right. because you can be keeping sheep. And you don't even know what's happening in Washington. You don't know what's happening in Abuja. You don't know what's happening, you know, you don't know what, what is really going on there. You, you know, and at some point, David will mature. He's no longer to be keeping sheep. He was a mighty man of valor, warrior. You know, and he had, he had, he had practiced with sheep, I mean, with the bear, with the lion. And it's now time for him to go out there <laughs> and demonstrate all those things. And, and the prophet, the prophetic has already done his own part because somewhere was on point and he, the guy was already anointed. <laughs> and so he had to enter. So you see the role of the fathers, the Jesus of our generation, the releasing of David's, the exposure of David's to the valley of Ella, where destiny happens and where they have real opportunities to strike at something and try the anointing of God on their life and see whether it really works and whether it's real. Hmm. That, that's the, the challenge that we need to throw to all pastors. Yeah, that God will use us to raise people who will not necessarily be sleeping and waking up in our houses again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How to go out there, discover destiny? Because from that day, Saul said they should send for him. Whose son are you? He said, I'm the son of Jesse. He said, move into this place. Now, from that point, 
He left the house of Jesse. Yeah. And became a member of the household, so to, so, so to speak. Of, he got into the political system. Hmm. Yeah. The kinship. Living and waking up and dining with the king and understanding, you know, uh, what, what is going on there. And Because they cannot anoint you to be king. And you are so far away from the palace. You don't even know the palace protocol. And you want mm. to be king. You don't even know what the, the, the in and out of the palace. You know, that, that's what we have mostly. There are many people in our churches who are carrying definite anointings. Like you said, on the seven mountains or twelve mountains, as the case may be. Definite anointing. Prophetic. The prophetic sought them out. But yet, they're still hiding them. Mm. And the fathers of the house are not exposing them. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem we have today because we believe that there are certain places where uh, a Christian should not be found, that things a Christian should not do, that, uh, you know, all those things, the and church Pastor, has to Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Godman, to let, 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 let me interject you. No. Do you know, I believe that's one of the reasons why when, when Christians now make it to such places in Nigeria, they don't know how to conduct themselves because in the first place, yeah. Most of them have not been prepared for it. And, and yes. you'll be shocked how many Christians are even in the present re regime or should I say re administration? The number of Christians. They are Christians. Yeah. I know some of them. Some of you know some of them I even know one-on-one. -on -one. And at times you'll be wondering what's going on. This person is supposed to be a person of value. Of course, I understand the, the aspect of you know the, our politi political climate is very, very messed up. So when you are yeah. dropped into it, you know, your light, if care is not taken, will be, will be dimmed. They will just cover it. Yeah. But yeah. the more reason why we need to prepare our people better, how to give them, mm -hmm. you know, for example, I have a son. In fact, he's on the whatever. He still remains my PA. Whenever I'm in Nigeria, he's a counselor. He's, he's an APC counselor. Every time I call him, I say, are you doing this too? I'm, no, I'm not doing it all. <laughs> what did they tell you? <laughs> uh, you? You get my point. So we still spoke yesterday because he's in, he's in politics. And I have a responsibility to make him accountable. Okay, what are you doing? Are you for this? Are you just treading party line? Have you forgotten kingdom line? What you are, you know, you, you are supposed to be there as, as a light. You're not supposed to compromise. Just, and he tells, tells me, say, okay, no, 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 I don't agree with them. And I confront them. I tell them with wisdom, no, this is my stand. What I'm trying to say is, how do we... No, 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 let, me, let, me, let me just, let me cut in there. Just to, just to say, well done for doing that, to be able to talk to that kind of guy and prepare them. Those are our Jonathans for this new generation. The people who are already in the house of Saul, as children of Saul, as a part of the old order, but they are actually meant for the new order. Hmm. So as these new people are trying to come in now, they will meet people like that, who have a good heart, who are Christians, who are already involved in politics. That's what I was telling the young people. Don't think you're going to flush everybody out. There are hmm. Jonathans that God has planted there. They are the That's ones that will show you how the house of Saul works. They are the ones that will show you, they will tell you whether someone wants to kill you or not. They are the ones that will have you know, connection with you that will save your life because they know what is going on there. They are already there. So like that kind of guy is a guy that, you know, they know what is going on there. When these new people are coming in and when the new, you know, protocol and new things that are happening, they find people like that that they can connect with. 
and you know God will preserve such people so that their story will not they won't be caught in between too much like Jonathan was to the point that he also lost his life but Amen. they will they will be alive and well they will know when to detach completely from the old order and confront the old order at some point Jonathan had to confront Saul why do you want to kill this young man what did he do for, to you what is the problem here and Saul almost killed him and threw the javelin at him and say, you're the son of the whore, and all that, and you know, and the guy named you, ah, this man is a real killer. For him to have attended yeah. to kill me, too, that was the really wanted to kill me. And I went to tell yeah. David, Beronio, this man is coming after you, you know. Uh-huh. So those, those kind of people, we thank God for people like you and many other pastors who are keeping an eye on those people because we will need them. We need they have the spirit of God in them. They have the best interest of Nigeria at heart. They've been in, within the system, and God will also promote them. And then they, they, they will join. They are the bridge between the old and the new. They are the bridge, and they are the ones that will help to even fast track someone because they will give information to the new order and it tell them did, this one it, is what it's for. Yeah. Even it did something during the campaign that blessed me. I picked up the phone after a while, and I'm your mama. Hello. You see what your people are doing to us. <laughs> and he laughed. He said, no, I'm not with them. He said, I led protest. He said, I was yeah. there. He said, I led the protest. I was part of it. He said, my party head called me. He said, I learned that you were with them. And he said, he told the man, he said, before I'm an APC member, I'm a Nigerian. What the young people are asking for is not out of order. I agree with it. And that was why I was yeah. part of the protest and I led it. He said, the man now said, mm. ah, be careful. He said, thank you, sir. Thank you for your counsel. <laughs> but so he said, the man said, are you with them or you are with us? He said, no, I'm a Nigerian. This is a Nigerian thing. This is not a party thing. Don't make it a party thing. You know, when he was talking mm. to me last week about it, I was so proud of him. And I'm like, I just want to find out if your head is still correct. And that's what mm-hmm. we need to do. We need to hold them accountable because some of those offices, once they are thrown into there, they will swallow you. Like someone says, it's like, it's like there's a demon in Asurok that possesses people. That once they enter, you just take over their personality and some of them change. You will not be able to recognize them. That even, so I've, I've seen cases of I mean, elected officials that it was after they left the office that they now started going around apologizing. Say, I don't know what came upon yeah. me. I'm very, very sorry. And that's why we can't just abandon them. We still, I mean, just because they didn't come to church on Sunday and midweek service does not mean they are not members of your church. The membership of mm-hmm. your church goes beyond the attendance of the midweek service and the Sunday service. Yeah. There are certain people yeah. that God will send out as ambassador. The same way Nigeria has ambassadors in different countries. They don't live in Nigeria again, but they are there with the flag of Nigeria. In, in the consulate representing Nigeria outside Nigeria, there are going to be people that God will be sending out of our midst to the different parts and I mean of faces and corners and spaces, you know, to represent the kingdom. That we need some of them, we even need to organize their own Bible study, maybe on Zoom. How the people in the group, okay, I know you can't come for midweek service because of the nature of your job, so we have a peculiar Zoom. Come around, we do Zoom Bible study, you know. I mean, discipleship, just to make sure they remain grounded. And, you know, rather than try to put everybody into your Sunday service and your midweek service, if you don't come, that means you are not faithful. That means God is not forced. I mean, those are some of the orientations. I believe God is going to be putting someone like you in a position to help shape 
the, the culture, I'm going to say this by the spirit, the culture of the church must change. The yeah. culture of the church must change. You Because you don't put a new wine inside an old bottle. I had the spirit of law yeah. say you got to prepare the bottle for the new, the new, the, you know, the, the, there's an effectiveness that can only be produced as we renew our mind and reposition for what God wants to do in our days rather than trying to insist this is the way we've always done it and we have to continue mm -hmm. doing it. And I had the spirit of law mm -hmm. saying for as many people as we not be flexible, as we not be adaptable, what will happen is that you will lose relevance. God forbid mm -hmm. that the oil that is meant for you is pulled out of yeah. your space and given to another because God has found out that mm -hmm. you are not going to be flexible enough to accommodate the new. You know, there, there is, yeah. is, a, is a new order and we need to play a role. You know, like I was telling Pastor Bolaji yesterday, this is going to be a teamwork. This is not going to be Elevation Church. This is not going to be Global Impact Work. This is going to be King's Word or the new or Avestas. It's going to be the body of Christ. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we have to come together with a strong voice. It's going to come to a time that even politicians in Avestas, politicians in Elevations, politicians in Global Avest, they will come together, have meetings, sit together, and now we're not talking about our church. We're talking about the kingdom and our roles. And they'll be able okay. to mingle together, form a strong team. Because the church mm -hmm. in Nigeria is too powerful for us yeah. not to have a voice in politics. We are too powerful. Yeah. We are too yeah. powerful. God bless the fathers. They did as much as they mm -hmm. could do. But uh, we should do better. We should mm -hmm. do better. And, you know, for example, I had a conversation with Pastor Godman. I said, I begged him as I met going. I said, I'm begging you. I said, please, I need you. I had the same talk with Yemi. I had the same talk with Bolaji last week. And as many people as I within my network, I'm going to talk to them. And I, because this is a responsibility God placed on my heart last week. He said, son, I need you to do this for me. The church is too powerful for us to be doing our little corners. Because for as long as it's elevation we do is only two corner. Uh, global verse, I mean, uh, Avesta we do is only corner. And we don't pull forces together. We will not be strong. For us to have a unified force, at certain point, we must be able to pull all the forces together and present a... Look at Redeem. Look at how many branches Redeem has. If all the politicians in all the redeemed churches come together on that one, like a convention, not even talking about body of Christ and say, yes, this is what we want to do, people will listen to them. Because it will be a strong voice. But for as long as yeah. we are divided and we are doing all our little stuff in little corners, we will not be able to go anywhere. And at the same time, they will even be able to provide you know, a support system for one another. So that when things mm -hmm. happen in the political arena, you know your brother to call. Ah, if he's fasting and prayer for three days, oh please, oh this is what they are trying to. They are trying to. Yeah. What do they do in Nigeria every time uh, when they want to remove people in office? Yeah. Um, I, uh, no, apart from you know, when I mean, you know, when they want to, they want to what's they impeach, impeach. <laughs> impeach. Uh -huh. I mean. My brother, I had this and this. You know, let's pray together. Let's talk together. And then the junior ones will meet the elder ones and say, uh-uh, this is not the way they do it. Please. Yeah. No, no, no. I know you are passionate, but this is what you are supposed to do. And I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God that the body of Christ, you know, we play her role. Well, well, 
where where you know I, I know maybe you want us to be rounding up, but let me say this. No, where no, no. They, 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 where 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 the what I'm seeing is more of how we redefine the the uh, the territorial authority of the apostolic office. Hmm. You know, um, we have localized it to areas of strength within a particular ministry mandate. But what we don't understand is that the kind of thing we're dealing with requires a collaborative apostolic connection. Yeah. That voice then becomes intimidating to territorial powers. You got it. Because an apostle has a territory, either geographic or an area of the kingdom, you know, kingdom uh, uh, impact. You know, sometimes it's, a, it's prayer, it's a, it's a supernatural, it's, a, you know, it's the leadership, it's healing ministry, it's this and that. When there's a, a, a collaboration, a connection of apostolic forces, there's nothing really that can stand against it. What Which we have is. seen in the older generation is that that collaboration wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So you can single out an apostle within a territory and, and, and off the mic on that apostle, like the young people say now, and off the mic, <laughs> you know, on that apostle. And you just see that uh, the person is trying, but you can't really see what I mean, whether through political attack or diabolic, all kinds of things that they try to do. Because the people in negative, negative supernatural, they understand the workings of the supernatural. They know that there are apostolic callings that God put in territories to root out, to pull down, you, you understand, to, to bring a new order. Hmm. But I believe that what we are dealing with in Nigeria, it's a, it requires strong apostolic connection. Yeah. That, that you know, it's like hand-holding. Then a formidable force that can nothing can withstand it. That is what we will use to, to wrap the devil out of this system. That, that's what I, I saw as we were speaking. Uh, because that connection, it's, it, it's, it's apostolic. It has to be apostolic in dimension. To deal with superpowers, you need territorial apostles <laughs> that have been put in charge of, de- of you know, coming together and saying, no, this is our territory. Uh, because that's why it's, it's been very disheartening for us to have a nation with a kind of, you know, sizes of churches and all that. And uh, we, 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 can't, we can't root out, just say we want to root out connection, cor- I mean, corruption and lack of accountability, for instance. <laughs> it's not supposed to be that difficult, you know. It's not supposed to be that difficult. I mean, we don't even have to say, this is the person I want to be president. No, we just say, this is how this thing will be run. And this is the kind of person that can be president. And this is an apostolic authority who has spoken, who has spoken. Yeah. It's not left for the people to go and cast their vote based on the parameters that has been put down as this is the only way this place can move forward. One is place to move forward, put this kind of person, create this kind of environment around them and make sure that they live by it. And the apostolic authorities have spoken. That's it. They don't have to be we can be, uh, let me put it this way, we can be political without being partisan. <laughs> because we have to speak into politics, but we cannot afford to be partisan. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And that's what makes the apostolic authority 
remain respected. That's because right. we are not trying to say this is the person that must hold office. No. What we are saying is this is these are the values that must undergird office. This is the persona, the kind of person that must, I mean, this kind of person must imbibe this kind of value, and this is the other things that will undergird this office. And that is what, and we can say this is how it is in the scripture. This is the order of God. Let it be. So let it be. And then people go ahead and just say, yes, our, our fathers have spoken. We're, we're going to vote, you know, this way. This is what we move our nation forward. We, I mean, this is what we move this territory forward and things like that. So that, that's what we need to, if most, if a lot of pastors and leaders can understand that, they will not allow political office holders to come and win their hearts to the point that they will now begin to say, this is a person that I should vote for, or that's a person that I should vote for. It can be political without being partisan. It's extremely important that pastors and church leaders in our quest to come together. It, it, you know, sir, what disrupts and destroys that connection is partisanship. <laughs> yeah. So if six or seven of us or 10 of us or 20 of us are in a place and you came with your candidate, I came with my candidate, and then you came, when we finish speaking in tongues and we then sit down and say, so what is happening? You already have an agenda. You also have an agenda. You've got a candidate. There's no way we're going to agree eventually. But if one of us come in there, we, are, we know we want the kingdom of God to come in the political arena. No candidate. We just want the kingdom of God. We can say, this is what we want. This is the kind of thing. Okay, so we have all agreed. And then when we speak, we speak that this is what we want. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. In this situation, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what we want. So we don't have to be partisan. We don't have to mention anybody's name. But this is what we believe the kingdom looks like. And it, you know, and it may be more than one person that will fit into the thing. So eventually, the, 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 we go to the polls, and uh, whoever wins, we support the person. That's the person that God has chosen. And then we hmm. keep encouraging the person, and we remain the conscience of the nation. Yeah. Hmm. And what wow. my conscience does says. It pricks me gently. The conscience pricks me. The church must be that pricking factor that just you know steers the heart of political leadership in the right direction without uh, being overtly forceful and looks like you want to hijack power. Yeah. But we say, look, this is this is we steer, we steer the heart of political leadership, and then they follow through. And when their conscience has been seared. Then we pray them out. Yeah. Because we have the power where it matters most. And we must never feel powerless. Because in this same country, that's okay, you remember the kind of prayers that went on in 1995. Yes, so. Yes, so. Yes, so. Yes, so. You know, and churches, people overnight. I always say this. I said, with, with all my word of faith background that says God does not kill, I said, I know somebody that God killed. <laughs> Abacha, God killed Abacha. <laughs> uh, serious prayer, of course, because people's life were threatened. He said he was already on the move of, I mean, I mean presidency forever. He wanted yeah. to make himself president for life. And all the yeah. musicians, if I remember, he gathered the major musicians 
and they went to sing for him in Abuja, and they already say Abuja. He was like, "Where are we yeah. going?" Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, and I mean, and that's what led to this democracy that we are talking about. But, 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 but we trust God. We trust God. We will pray. We will plan. We will. We have conversations like this. We, you know, Pastor Godman, you blessed me so much today, and the reason is this. You don't know how much education is going on in this kind of conversation. Thank God for the preaching on a Sunday morning. But conversations like this have a way of educating people. And we need to have more conversations yeah. like this, more conversations, so that people can be reoriented. Oriented. I mean, people that are like, it's none of my business. So they will begin to know it's their business, their roles. You don't have to be called to be a politician. But at the same time, you need to be aware concerning the political structure, what you can do, how to hold your legislators accountable, how, you know, yeah. to know your right to understand the constitution of the nation. Because yes. an average Nigeria does not even know the constitution of Nigeria. He does not know what is his right and what is not his right because of the, the messed up system we've had. And, you know, we yeah. need to have conversations like this because the more we have conversations like this, the more church people will be involved. And, you know, for example, my PA that is in politics, if I tell you how he got into politics, it was very, very interesting. One of my friends who is a bishop in Philippines, a Filipino, uh, came to preach in Nigeria. I, organized, I, I, did, I was not even around, but I arranged for him to come a Chinese Filipino, and, you know, he's a multi-millionaire, has several businesses, and he's also a politician. So, and my P in Nigeria happens to be the one that waited on him. So he was the one carrying him around. So he looked at him. He said, are you in politics? Say, I said, you, you are not doing politics? Say, you should get involved in politics. It's good. And he said, do you know that is how that man planted the seed into my PA? Just for being with him for a week or so when he came to preach in Nigeria and afterwards started thinking about it. I have a passion to change my community. I grew up in this community. And if, if six months down the line, he called me and said, say, Pastor, I think I want to do politics. I'm like, even me too, I was shocked. I was like, are you sure? Have you prayed about it? I hope you will not be distracted. He said, I'm convinced. And he ran and he won. Until today, he's faithful. Is committed. Is I mean, and and we need to see more people like that. But you know, he took a man from Philippines to plant the seeds. Apparently, it has always it was always in need, but because of the environment we have provided, that seed could not blossom. Somebody came from Philippines, watered it, and it came alive. And he's a politician now, representing Jesus in his community. And I believe they are, in fact, maybe they are, they are governors in our church seated now that they don't know yet that yeah. they are governors because we have not created an atmosphere that can make those things, those dreams to wake up. So we need to have conversations like this, conversations like this, conversations like this, so that, you know, you know, and that's the way God is going to raise men. And in 10, 15, 20 years, the narratives will be different. The stories will be different. We'll begin to talk about Nigeria like people talk about Singapore now. Imagine Singapore 1965 messed up. Singapore at a time asked Malaysia to adopt them. Malaysia literally yeah. took them up. Then after a while, Malaysia said, you're a liability. We can't do this. So Malaysia asked, asked, asked to cut them off because they were liability. And that was when they now like, okay, since nobody is going to take us off, we have to fix our country. That was 1965. We've had independence for five years as of that time. And look at what Singapore has become now. One of the strongest economies in the world. In the whole Southeast yeah. Asia, nobody messes with Singapore. 
ever strong economy. And you know the whole Singapore. I've been to Singapore multiple times. It's not more than it's not up to Lagos. Singapore yes, as a country is not as big. You can cover the length and breadth of Singapore in 40 minutes. Yeah. 40 minutes, you have covered the whole Singapore. And they don't have any natural resource. Even the water they drink, they have to import it. And yet, they are so powerful just because they woke yeah. up as a nation. And I believe what happened in the last few weeks is a wake-up call. And everyone knows about it. Some people see the NSAS protest as a waste. It's not a waste. No, it is not a waste. It's unfortunate yeah. that some lives were lost. It's unfortunate that there was looting, there was, you know, some funny things. Don't let those things distract us. I believe God has a hand in this, and this is a movement. A movement has begun. As a nation, we are woke. We are awake now, you know, and God will help us to deal with all these things, even concerning some of these politicians that are shooting themselves in the leg. I believe it's a move of God. Some of the utterances they are making, very foolish utterances. I believe God is just trying to expose them so that we'll know some of, the, some of the people we are putting our trust in. Say, can you see? These are the people you are putting your trust in so that we can, we can come to the reality. Because, I mean, a system that celebrates talks, for how long are we going to continue? Empower talks. We did that in yeah. 82. We did that in 80, 80, I mean, 79. And we're doing it in 2020. God forbid. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why I wept was I asked myself a question last week. I said, we demonstrated, although we were cowards. Our children are demonstrating now. Will our grandchildren, they have to Constant demonstrate. Yeah. They have to. We're trusting God no. that this is the generation that we stop this mess. This mess, we stop this generation. Pastor Godman, thank you for being real, for being open, for not censoring, but just, you know, I, I appreciate it when people can be real and and that's what we need because all these young people, they are watching us. And there's a very, very yes. intelligent generation. They will ask questions. So even during yeah. money devotion, if I say something that my daughter does not agree, she will raise her hand. I say, daddy, you said this. <laughs> and we have to tell the African father, he means listen to him, listen to her, listen to her, rather than just shout. Here we are, school. You can't just yes. tell them. And I spent they will say, okay, sir, why do we have to do that? And they are watching our body language and they are very, very intelligent. They are very, yeah. they study us. They study us. In fact, during the beginning of the NSAS movement, I was getting email, Reverend K, we have not seen your hand. We have not said anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, look face. I said, "Boy, I'm in America." Yeah. You are, you are our father, and we are in Nigeria. Are you not going to say something? I said, oh, "Dad, we say something." Say, Pastor Soros, okay, <laughs> we are watching you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we are, we are watching just... you. I said, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I was okay. <laughs> and also, when I started, Soros, okay. Hey, they said you are making us proud. Now you are Soros, okay. Before we were watching you now, you are continuing your program as if nothing is happening. Nigeria is boiling, yeah. and you, he said, ah, you're so right, Soros, okay, eventually. So, and I've been Soros, okay. 
I'm in Sorosoke for the last two weeks now, and I'm still Sorosoke, and I will, I will keep on Sorosoke, and our Oroloke our yes. will not be in vain. We trust God that the Babaloke, the Babaloke will hear our Sorosoke. And you know, <laughs> the same way the children of Israel were heard in Exodus chapter 3, Nigeria will be heard, and you know, these bad, bad punks will lead to actual babies. It will not be stillborn. There will be real Amen. babies that we can all, like, like Anna and Simeon will be able to celebrate that the, the babies, yeah, we have seen the salvation Amen. of Nigeria. We have seen a new Nigeria emerge. And thank you, Pastor Godma. And do have a lovely, lovely weekend. My love, my, love, my, my, I mean, you are a minority in your home. My, my love to the, to the ladies, <laughs> the ladies of the house. God bless you. We are sure you enjoyed this podcast. You can also join Dr. K on Instagram at Dr. K Live every weekday at 7 a.m. CST.